0: hello and welcome to the sacred remembering podcast the place for modern women who are waking up to the truth of who they are with me as your host sarah poet now if the word sacred is throwing you a little bit that's okay have you had that moment as a modern woman where you went wait i left something of myself back there along the way Well, if so, then you're already on a path of sacred remembering and you're actually in the right place. We know that modern women are rising, but we don't do it by fighting. We do it by remembering who we are and standing in that truth. And here in this space, we remember together through stories and tools and curiosity. And in doing so, we bring forward the place of women in our modern world. Now let's begin. Hello, beautiful people. It's Sarah. Thanks for listening. I'm so glad you're here. This is episode 56. And I'm so excited to bring Sage Sandstone onto the podcast today. She's one of my original teachers. And this is a really beautiful episode packed with information on intuition, um, the tarot, and also Sage's upbringing that was actually way more religiously influenced than I ever knew. So Uh, stick around because it's really powerful. Um, When I recorded this episode, I thought that this was going to be the last episode in season two. It is the last interview in season two, but it turns out it is not the last episode. So I have actually been recording way less interviews and kind of going kind of going through going through going through of this coming next with the podcast. And I thought that there was going to be a break in the in the running of the podcast. But really what kind of happened was that I took a break from interviewing so much. And the divine instructions that are really coming through is to actually not take a break with the podcast, but to keep going with the podcast and bring more of my own experience and teachings uh, forward. So in the next few weeks, that's what I'm going to be doing. And then um, right now, currently, I'm feeling a season three is going to be beginning um, at some point in the new year, probably January or February. Um, and I definitely have some interviews already lined up to begin recording again. And so it will be um, more focused on the things that we talk about primarily the masculine feminine and coming into union um, a a lot of women listeners are doing really amazing work with the union energy inside of their own body. Um, amazing. We're also going to be focusing on relationships, women's voices and really activating women's voices and um yeah just a lot of spiritual teachings that are coming through on my path of sacred remembering and um, the the reunification and reclamation of the feminine and masculine i really feel as though i, I have a lot of conversations throughout my weeks uh, with a lot of themes popping, and I'm not talking about them on the podcast as much. And so I'm going to change the format of the podcast where you're going to hear me and what's flowing through me. Um, I'm definitely going to bring forward these teachings, bring forward experiences. So I'm writing memoir, and I'm going to be doing more storytelling. And, uh, you know, there are all sorts of activating codes inside of stories. Um, I'm also going to be talking about my recent relationship and the breakdown of it and soul contracts and how, you know, everything is truly divine. Um, So I'm going to be bringing some some stories forward. Thank you for being here. And um, if you have been listening this year, thank you for being here. I would love to hear from you. I would love to hear from you. You can rate and review this podcast, leave, um, leave some comments. I would love to know how this podcast is impacting your path, your path of sacred remembering your path of reclamation, your path of discovering the feminine and the masculine inside of you, inside of relationships, inside of the energetics of the world. Um, I really, really love to hear your stories and connect. So you can do that. You can email me at sarah at sarah I love to hear from you. Um, and I don't know if y'all know it, but the podcast is turning one this week. So I am celebrating that there are about 60 episodes. This is episode 56, but then we have some bonus um, interviews and bonus episodes that I did solo. And so the content is amazing. I feel as though what we have done this year with these interviews is really, Oh my gosh, we elevated women's voices. We elevated two men's voices as well. Um, we told some sacred stories on this podcast this year. Um we we really elevated women's voices. There were many, many strong women who came onto this podcast and told stories that they have never told um, in public. And I really hold that so deeply, and um I just I just honor that so so much. And yeah, I mean, elevating those kinds of stories, when we get those vibrations out into the world, um, we begin to change the frequency that we swim in. And so never doubt the power of women's voices, for sure. Um, Speaking of which, I do want to let you know that I have a new one-on-one program um, that is called Unleash Your Inner Truth. Unleash Your Inner Truth. And if you go to SaraPoet.com and look under work with me, you can see that the details of that private mentorship as well as some others. So I have a few spots, not many, a few spots left for private mentorship as we go into the new year and this potent, potent month of December 2020. Happy last month of 2020, everyone. Um, And The other thing that's coming up is the sacred truth mastermind. And guess what? I just rewrote that program. I just rewrote that program so that everything is in present time, so that the most potent downloads, intuitions, skills, practices, sacred practices, to turn your sacred truth on, um, and to really activate that sacred truth, um, you know, through you, the the feminine and the masculine. Um, we're doing healing and lineage work in there. We're doing voice work in there, and so I'm really excited. And because things are so potent and moving so fast, I took that program from a six month program. To a four month program. And so, um, you know, it's going to be slightly more affordable as well. And, um, you know, there's financing plans and all of that for all of my work because I want to make it accessible. So hop on over to sarahpoet.com. If you have not been there recently, because I am working on getting everything up to, you know, up to speed in present time and really making these offerings um, as activating as this time in our lives really is. And so, um you know, I, I cannot wait to hear your story and hear where you are and hear what you're bringing in for 2021. Okay, so I am going to now introduce Sage Sansone and this sweet, sweet interview thank you for being here. Please tell a friend about this episode. If you like it, I appreciate when you all share and we build community and I'll see you in the sacred remembering Facebook group and so much freaking love to all of you. So much love. It is my deep pleasure to introduce to you intuitive guide and tarot reader and teacher Sage Sansone. I began studying the tarot and intuition with Sage as my teacher back in 2015, I think it was, and it's uh, my honor to call Sage a friend Sage has been a seeker and a mystic her entire life, and in this interview, she shares how religion influenced her quest in younger years and how she quested for that truth within the divine mystery very devotionally her entire life. Not only has she lived that sacred remembering quest so authentically, but she's also worked professionally full-time as an intuitive tarot reader teacher of the rider Weight deck, and leading retreats since 2011. So I, it is my pleasure to welcome our local legend, Sage Sansong. Hi, Sage. Welcome to the Sacred Remembering Podcast. Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for
1: having me here.
0: It's so awesome to have you here. As I was sharing before we hit record, you're one of the final episodes of season two. And today we're going to talk about spiritual and intuitive development. And you have been one of my earliest teachers and a trusted guide and friend and teacher in my life. And so it's such an honor to have you here today. It's such an honor to be
1: here. And this is my very first podcast, so I'm grateful to to be on here, and I love your opening meditation, by the way.
0: Oh, wonderful. I don't think I've ever told the audience what it is, so I think I should do that now.
1: I think it's <laughs> beautiful. It's beautiful. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that came in from the very, very beginning. So every guest that's been on, we uh, take three breaths and we do the first breath into our own heart. And the second breath, we build a bridge between our hearts for the purpose of the conversation. And then the third breath, we attune to all of the hearts of all of the listeners at any point in the future. And so there's, there's a web that we weave With that in the consciousness, for sure. Yeah, I got those nice
1: little tingles and chills on the third breath to think about (laughs) all of the beautiful women listening and tuning into this and feeling connected and in service.
0: Yeah, it's really an act of love to be doing the podcast in in the first place, but also to have these conversations between women, because as we know, when we Use the voice to activate woman to woman and share stories. We're spreading that activation. Yeah, it's powerful. So, absolutely. Wonderful. So you're so seasoned in so many ways as a tarot reader and teacher. So it's a little bit hard to believe that this is your first podcast interview. And I'm (laughs) not at all worried (laughs) because I just know that there's so such a wealth of information to share. So today we're going to dive into intuitive development, which, you know, when we're talking about sacred remembering, and women waking up to the truth of who they are, I mean, we start by remembering in that intuition is a thing. I think like that. that's exactly how I started. Um, but before we get into the actual stuff of intuitive development, I'm wondering if we can hear a little bit about your story. I was reading your bio, and there was this like, what? Sage wasn't always a tarot <laughs> Um, Because you have a really established practice and you've been at this full time for a long time. This is definitely your career. And so I would love to hear a little bit more about your earlier years. And uh, was there a time where you were afraid to own this mystical path and then how you came back to it?
1: That's a beautiful question. Uh, I was very lucky in the sense that my mother was very open to the concept of intuition. And when I was very young, it was just me and her. She got married later and that man adopted me. Um, So for the first, you know, five years of my life, it was just me and her. And she used to play intuitive games with me. She recognized that I was very gifted in that particular area at a young age, and she helped me to develop it. And I think that's an important thing for all mamas to know is that, you know, kids are very intuitive at a young age. And, you know, just like we all have our special roles and gifts in the tribe, Some children have a special inclination towards intuition. Uh, So she really supported me in that. But then, you know, later, um, I guess I was always mystical. I always had a huge imagination. I was always creating my own worlds. I've always been an artist. I've always been a musician. I've always been sort of a free spirit um but then you know, around let'd say six or so, um, when she married, we joined a church and there was many benefits actually to being in a spiritual collective and being able to connect with concepts of God, you know But there was another part of it uh, in my teens, we switched churches and, um, there was sort of a shutdown or a lack of information about mysticism and uh, an exclusion that I noticed and so, my Sunday school teachers always had a very difficult time with me. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> it's always asking them very challenging questions and uh you know, what about all the other religions and <laughs> what about this you know so um. I, I would say that it was always there, but around when I was 19, I left home and uh, my parents divorced and I kind of broke free from some of the dogmatic aspects of religion. And I had a, a sort of opening at that time where I was ready to seek You know, I was ready to try to understand all of the different spiritual, philosophical, uh, intuitive, mystical perspectives. Hmm. And that was when tarot came into my life. So it was uh, quite a journey. You know, Uh, I didn't, you know, I, I dabbled a bit in school. I took some classes, but I never devoted my time to getting a degree instead I devoted a lot of my time to self-discovery in my 20s and some of those experiences were powerful and beautiful and you know just like everyone some of them were really challenging and learning through um some hard lessons as well Uh, so I would say I really started to step into doing intuition as a profession more in my mid thirties. And it took me 10 years of sort of trading readings with people or, you know, uh, channeling things for people in my own way. But to get to that point where I was ready to say, what, no, I'm a professional and I'm willing to take money for this. That
0: took me a while. That took you till your mid thirties.
1: Yeah, it took mm-hmm. me till my mid thirties and it, it was almost as if I got a calling. It was like a bell went off that said, Okay, it's time. You're ready. You can't you can't hide from this anymore.
0: Mm. And uh yeah. So what kind of affirmation were you getting that it was time? And I mean, what were you doing for work? Let's see. <laughs>
1: I have done so many different types of jobs. Um, at the time, I was, let's see, I do remember where I was. It was a, it was an evolution. So there's a few different jobs that I worked at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, for a long time, I waitressed and I worked at a clothing store. I made jewelry For some time, I worked for uh, Jonas Gerard, actually, in the River Arts District and sold his paintings. And I remember the first moment that it kind of clicked for me where I said, oh, this, this could turn into a profession. I was giving a reading to a friend of mine in my living room, and she basically like shoved money at me. She was like, this is ridiculous. Like, you're really good at this. You need to take money for it. I'm not saying no. She like forced it on me. Mm. And I was like, okay, okay. You know, I took it. And after that, I started to get a lot of signs, um, Mm. sort of, I'd run into some random person at a restaurant and they'd say, you know, you look like this intuitive psychic that I know, or, you know, it just, it just was one thing after the next, like that for a while. And so I was, again, working, uh, selling Jonas's paintings and um, I knew that I wanted to leave and I was getting to the point where more people were starting to come to me for readings and I wasn't sure how I was going to transition out of that job. And So I went out into the woods. I had two things that happened. One is I went out into the woods and I prayed and I listened and tuned in and I took my little pendulum with me and I said, when am I going to leave this job? You know, and my head was saying, oh, you know, next year or (laughs) six months from now, you know, and then when I, when I listened and I did the pendulum, it was like, no, like one month away, I'm going to go in. (laughs) tomorrow and give your notice, you know, basically. Uh. So I listened to that and I gave him a good notice so that I could leave on good terms. And then I was uh, walking in the park. And for some reason, I just decided to take my tarot cards with me, which I don't normally do. But that was the feeling. And uh, I got to where I felt like, oh, this is a nice spot. And uh, my friend Andrew Snavely from Dober Tea just kind of popped out of the woods. <laughs> he was going on a walk. And at the time, I didn't really know him. I had just been wanting to connect with him. He was just opening the Dober Tea downtown.
0: And I said, so, you know, and I think- For people that aren't local, this is like an amazing tea shop in Asheville with multiple locations. And um, yeah. yeah, just.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and this was when he was, right. He was first opening it. He had just gotten to town. Okay. And I said, I think I'm supposed to give you a reading. He's like, okay. So we sat in the park and I gave him a session and he said, you know, do you want to read at Dobra? We um, mm. could be, do tarot readings intuitive readings there. And I was like, sure. You know, and this, it, it just happened. The doors clicked. just started opening. Yeah. Mm. Mm. and it, Yeah. I I'm think just,
0: the big like noting oh, I'm sorry I'm just noting you know for people listening like you followed the heart and you followed the intuition and then things started happening like then doors were opening um I love that so let's come back around to that later.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yes. And um Yeah, you know, what I was going to say was there was still one more obstacle or fear for me to overcome in this process and it was being seen advertising, you know, putting myself out there as an intuitive and having to face all the sort of illusions and stigmas and misinformation about what tarot is and what intuition is, you know, um, crystal balls and flashing neon signs kind of thing, you know, yeah. uh, I was like, Oh, and I realized that there was a deeper fear for me to overcome there and so there was sort of a third part to that so as as soon as I started to tune into that fear um and say wow I have to overcome this in order to really be in the world and be something very different in the world than what most people recognize as a normal career Mm -hmm. um and I was at the airport on a flight And I ran into this woman, or I say, I naturally connected with this woman. She noticed me and I noticed her. And her name was Carol Bowman. And she's a famous hypnotherapist and she does past life hypnotherapy. Hmm. And um, we had this marvelous conversation and our plane even got delayed. So we ended up spending quite a lot of time having food together and talking in the airport while our, while our flight was delayed. And I was trying to work through this fear with her. She was the perfect person at the perfect time. I would call that a, a bridge connector. Hmm. Okay. And she said, you know, people are either going to love it or they're not. Don't worry about it. And something clicked for me. And, and before where if somebody said, Oh, you know, let's say you met someone on a flight and they say, Oh, what, what do you do? And if I were to say, Oh, I'm an intuitive guide or a tarot reader, I would have kind of cringed a little bit or been fearful about saying right. that. Where after that point and after I started doing it and seeing how it helped people, now when people ask me that question on a plane, it's, I get this little smirk, almost like I can't wait to see their reaction. <laughs> smirk on you like (laughs) I get this little smirk because there's always this kind of double take you know nobody's expecting you to say that so uh it was a fun transition to be specifically at dobra and have to create a flyer and sit in the middle of the room as people come in and to have my you know tarot cards there and that was quite a long time ago but you know and I think about the evolution from that point, even to where I am now. And that's a fun journey, but that was the, that was how I got into it, you know? Um, So all, I guess my point is that all of the right people showed up at just the right time, you know, when I was ready. Mm.
0: Thank you so much for sharing that story, because I think that fear of owning The truth of who we are is so commonly felt. And, you know, it's interesting too because, so we live in Asheville, North Carolina. It's a pretty hip place, you know, and my assumption, I mean, I know this isn't actually true, but to sort of painting the picture, it would be like, well, you know, Asheville's gonna be um, maybe more accepting. of of things like tarot readers and and intuitive guides than other places. And Mm -hmm. so I love that you're really speaking to the inside journey, Um, you know, because yes, you had the job offering at Dobra and like all of the signs were pointing you that way. And there was still this courageousness that was really required on your part um, and I, we all face that. we face it mm. kind of again and again <laughs> uh, absolutely. I think we face it at every growth point. yeah, and, yeah, um, I do too
1: right so there's there's you know, and then there's the the big one for a lot of people, I would say, and cut in stepping into an alternative path that's not considered normal um, is also f- facing your parents you know, your own family. And there's, you know, I have a very loving, wonderful family. Uh, and you know, my family is, comes from a very different perspective at times. Um, my father is a devout, uh, Christian and, um, you know, to the point where he studied the whole Bible in Hebrew, you know, so, Hmm. He's not just going to church for the routine. He's really, really devout. And I think he was just sort of waiting for me to really step into myself in a lot of ways. But there was still this nervousness when I called him. (laughs) I still remember that phone call, you know, and saying, I've decided to (laughs) be an intuitive, (laughs) Mm. (laughs) you know, and I was very surprised at, at how accepting he was, but there is still that fear. And I have so much compassion for people whose families are not accepting, you know, who, where there's somebody you're going to disappoint um, when you sort of come out of the closet as something that is different from the norm.
0: Right. Right. I kind of want to go back to the stories of the church for a moment. And you're growing up in the church. And, (laughs) you know, um, I'm just wondering a little bit more about uh, what was developing in you and what kinds of questions were you asking? And then I know that you've done a lot of study in religion, and Christian mysticism, and, and all of that since then. And so, mm-hmm. um, I also want to say that a lot of the listeners have, like, religious trauma, I'll call it, or, you know, like the the path of the family in religion really suppressed, you know, the feminine, the mysticism, um, the, the natural magic inside of women. And so, what... What was going on there for you if you wouldn't mind speaking a little bit more closely to that?
1: <laughs> we this should take a long time to cover know, this subject
0: right? fully. <laughs> <laughs> we don't wow, have to cover okay. it fully.
1: <laughs> going for the gold there, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Always. <laughs> Always.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, um,
0: because yeah. and so let me let me this. say you let me tell you why I'm at, because I think that there's a bridge to be built here a little bit like you know it could take it might be like a five-minute bridge or a two-minute bridge but I think that there's um there's knowledge and wisdom that you carry in walking that path that can help plant seeds to to build a bridge from well there was there was this religion and you know, I walked through it kind of thing. So, that's yes, why I,
1: asked. I, I Yeah, absolutely. I love this question. Um I'm just contemplating this for a second here. So, I think that something that a lot of people don't realize is that, you know, the roots of Christianity and Judaism are very mystical. And a lot of modern churches or a lot of teaching in modern churches sort of skipped over that part or didn't realize that part or kind of bypassed that part. Um, one of the great bridges in in that study is the um, Kabbalistic or the Kabbalah and the Tree of life, okay which is a a map for everything, really. Um, and in traditional Judaism, they studied that map and then the mystics also studied that map and started laying over uh, the, the planets, the numerology, the tarot cards, the, the energy lines in the body, the evolution of the, of the souls, the different pathways of that evolution And that's a one bridge that I would recommend for anybody that's maybe wanting to honor their background in Christianity or Judaism. But still wants to explore some of those um, mystical origins as well. So that that's a key point for me. Um, I guess. guess there's a part of me that never really let go of my mystical nature it was so in me that I didn't ever sacrifice it I just kind of kept it quiet Mm. and I remember this question that my pastor asked us to do he said you know everybody write on a card what your deepest question is and you can keep it anonymous and then you know I'll look at them and pick some things to speak about. And my question was, what about the supernatural? Hmm. I want to hear you talk about this. And instead somehow, I don't know how they knew it. It it was coming from a teenager, but then in our Sunday school class, they went into all of this fear and these warnings about, you know, uh, (laughs) the classic things that um, religion warns us about. Right. And, it didn't shut me down. It just
0: kind of made me more curious. Mm, I love that. So there was this resiliency around your curiosity that just didn't quit.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And I, and um, I really didn't, I didn't want to just research these different perspectives of Eastern philosophy and, you know, um, Qigong and Buddhism and meditation. And, you know, I, and even certain aspects of um, earth based wisdoms, I wanted to experience them. You know, I wanted to go through them. I wanted to immerse myself in those beliefs and to see what they felt like in my, in my body and how they would change my reality. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. So, it, it, that was my journey of not just studying it in a book, but, but of deep discovery in these different paths.
0: Mm, Absolutely.
1: Um, Yeah. And so in that, another really wonderful bridge is Joseph Campbell. Mm -hmm. Um, He's a a philosopher who really comes from the premise that our collective experience is more alike than different. You know, that we're all looking for uh, God or goddess, right? We're all um, finding common symbolism in these different Experiences or cultures, for example, like spirals, you know, and you see spirals um, coming out in the cultural stories of ancient religions or ancient cultures that that never had any contact with each other. That there's a collective understanding in our relationship with the universe and that these religions are just sort of like the different packages um, with the same snack inside right? (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, once you, uh, it's just what's there sort of on the surface. And so I got very fascinated by that. And um, my sense is that whatever face or name or energy you connect with, that really all of them lead to this path of oneness. They lead to this path of Um, that we are all connected, that life is all connected, and that there is a unifying force that moves through all things and all people. Um, And I guess one of those, the the other bridge is, is love. Mm -hmm. You know, love is a foundation in um, most belief systems. So if you get lost in all of the the dogma and the trauma just remember oh yeah if you're a christian you can say well god is love
0: you know so yeah and that's i mean that's the path that each of us can follow within our own lives too so i want to begin to veer toward the, the topic of intuition and developing intuition. And I'm kind of chuckling on the inside right now because you were the first person I found. So thank you for developing those marketing materials <laughs> working at Dobra. <laughs> because uh, when I was having my awakening as a school principle, just really knowing that I couldn't suppress who I was. I mean, I was always following my own mystical soul journey and I could connect these dots in my life that no one else was seeing. And I was making decisions at work that people were like, wait, how did you get to that decision? I'm like, well... I just know, what are you talking about? You know, but then it would be criticized, um, because I didn't find it in a book or I didn't, you know, have, have enough votes or whatever the, the, the cases. Um, and so I really began remembering the feminine and I was like, wait, everybody's acting in this one way in the world. That's a, generalization, but like, okay, we favor this thing called the masculine and there's this thing called the feminine. I mean, that's my path, but it was, it was like reclaiming the intuition for me in the beginning was the reclamation of the feminine. Um, but it was specifically intuition that I was questing for. And so like a good school principal, I've joked about this before, I I took your class, (laughs) I took your class on intuition, (laughs) um, actually took your class on tarot and, um, and the level one tarot and that was my hope was really to develop intuition. So that puts a little context to how we met as well as, um, just some of the story of, of that seeking, um, Mm -hmm. So first, I, I think I want to ask you actually to to share what the tarot is um, for those who don't know it or haven't um, been brave enough to, <laughs> to venture toward it, maybe.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So the tarot is... Our human experience mapped out in images. It's everything that we experience in life mapped out in images. And it's divided into three main parts, right? So you have the minor arcana, which is our daily experiences and our daily cycles and all of the things that we go through. And has four elements to it, which most most mystical systems will have elements divided. So, uh, within those elements, we have the the um, spiritual fire, the emotional waters, the you know the mental, um, and the physical. And the second part of the uh, minor arcana is the court cards, and that's our cast of characters that we experience externally and internally okay and this is sort of who would be in the royal court and then we have the major arcana where the uh true i would say wisdom and weight of the tarot exists and that works with our archetypes you know so if our life was a story what characters would be we be interacting with and each of the cards in the major arcana can be applied internally, externally, and universally. So, you know, you, we can say, okay, uh, for example, my work as an intuitive would fall under the archetype of the priestess. And so that would be my card for my work. And then if I were to say, ah, if I, how can I tune into my intuition inwardly or how can you tune into your ish, your intuition inwardly? That would also be the priestess, right? And then universally it has a planet, which is uh, astrologically it's the moon, okay? Which also has to do with intuition or some say it's the path between the moon and the sun and the priestess is sort of the bridge between worlds, the bridge between the, Feminine and the masculine, the yin and the yang, the internal, the external, the sort of ethereal and the physical planes. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But all the other archetypes are there too. And so it's a really great map for understanding the w- life and to gather wisdom. Uh, tarot means, or one of the meanings for the tarot is the royal road to wisdom. And so a lot of people have this misconception that throat is sort of this fortune telling device. And I would say maybe some people use it that way, but that's not really what it is. It's a very detailed uh, system that you could really spend a lifetime learning. Um, and the ancient mystics uh, kind of used this to um, spread knowledge, right? So there's always some kind of mystical system in our ancient cultures. And Turo is, is, uh, really developed in the 1400s and after, but its roots, uh, you know, were very connected with other types of divination systems. Um, and, you know, it, it gives us the ability to see patterns, to look at our psyche within sort of a mirror of images, to, connect with the energies that exist and then see it reflected and it's a great tool for journaling for advice giving and you know and for um for divination you know which is channeling something that which is beyond your normal perception you know that is tuning into those divine and mystical energies of the universe and then Seeing them reflected in a pattern that's laid out.
0: Yes. So the misconception that it's fortune telling is really widespread. So, why is it not fortune telling? Well,
1: people, again, like you, you do have people that use it for that, mm-hmm. but it's not its deepest application. And mm-hmm. so really what you would say is this is a guidance tool and I use it to give people advice and guidance. And I think somebody using the tarot for its highest potential would use it for guidance. Um, the idea that there's this one future that we have uh, laid out in front of us to me is fairly limited. I feel that there are uh, the future is moving you know, so the example I give is okay. You are in a river, and you get to steer your own boat within that river. You can't control the r- the river, but you can you can sort of tune into your intuition and become one with it, and choose how you react, how you respond, and where you go within that flow. Okay, so. Sometimes when I'm doing a session for somebody, something will come through about their future or a soul contract or a, uh, something that is likely to happen based off of their patterns, you know, and their, what they came, their gifts, what they came into this life to do. But if someone's coming to me and they're saying what will happen, that means that they're looking for fortune telling. Mm -hmm. Instead, I would, I would try to empower them to say, but like how can I interact with my own life and empower myself in my own life in order to uh, create something to happen, or to in order to realign with my center, or to get on the a track that uh, or a path that is um, going to suit the nature of my soul? Okay, so it's kind of more like getting a spiritual adjustment,
0: right? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. I remember, so I've come to you as, uh, as a teacher because you have classes. We'll talk about that in a moment. And I've also come to you for many readings. And I remember there was one point where I had two job offers and I was leaving um, the principal job at the charter school And I had two job offers at private schools and I, it was like A and B and A was consistent, but B, I really felt like I was supposed to take. And you did the reading and you said, if I can't quote you exactly, but what I remember was like, if you want your highest soul's path and the journey that you like really came for, you'll take A. And so I've, I've definitely, come to you at those pivot points to, to sort of um, I've never explained it to you this way, but sometimes when I'm referring you or talking to others about you, I'll say that it's almost like not speeding up a life, but it's like, well, I could learn the hard way for, (laughs) for a while. Like I could go down this path and, you know, checking in with Sage kind of, um, helps me to get clear on the decisions and then, and then use that free will to make the decision like, okay, I'm going to go with a, and we're going to look and see what happens. And that ended up being a really quick path, you know, that had a lot of, um, (laughs) richness not all not all like you know pleasantry but a lot of (laughs) richness where I really did gain the aspects of my soul um, that I went there to gain and so I think too that's actually kind of sparking something else like I think our why as we engage in this remembering and with the mysticism our why I'll say evolves. Like we come into a greater respect of using it as a guidance tool and um, understanding that we do have that free will that, that our decisions are going to impact <laughs> with what happens next on our path for sure.
1: Yeah. It, it's definitely, it seems like a balance, you know, between, the two, fate and free will. And, you know, obviously that's a mystery. It's not something any of us can say concretely, but, um, I have seen it a time and time again, where people are sort of lying to themselves and staying in a path that is, you know, maybe it's pleasing their parents, or maybe it's, you know, this is going to give me good health insurance or, you know this is this is what I expected that I was going to be doing because of my degree or you know, not any number of reasons, but they're not happy. You know, right. there's something deeper that's that's where they're suffering. And um, that has a lot to do, I think, as well with the society we've created. Um, but my my main premise is that in working with people, is that in our most intrinsic nature as humans we work well in a tribe you know we're we're social creatures that are meant to work as a group and that everybody has their own innate role that nature created a unique role or a unique set of gifts that that for that person and when they're following those gifts and those things that they were born with um then they're happy you know because those things become a service to others and those things contribute to love to compassion to um and when you're naturally good at something and you enjoy it you know why not be doing that you know so when i when i'm looking at a person and i would say at this point i'm i've actually been using the tarot less i've just you know, intuitively look at a person and go in and see what energies are around them and what their nature is naturally aligned with. And it can be as simple as what's your role in the tribe? What would you be doing if you lived in an ancient society where there wasn't all of this complexity? How would you be serving your community? Mm. And, um, Helping people get to that place where they're living their natural self, I think is a key part of, of the work that I do. And then also helping people listen to their own intuition so that they can get themselves there and start to reconnect with, um, with a deeper listening. And when you talk about the feminine and intuition, You know, the way that I translate that is listening. Intuition is about listening. And um, when we learn to listen to our true nature, to those um, deeper subtleties, to however you perceive the divine, uh, your higher self, to however you um, connect with something beyond the program, beyond the conditioned program. And then that's when I think happiness starts to happen. That's when a person is alive and fulfilled and thriving and challenged. You know, as you mentioned, you know, life isn't without challenges um, and living against the norm isn't without challenges, but there's a deeper underlying joy that an inspiration that is fed. Mm -hmm. Uh, so that's my usually my goal is to help people get to that place
0: so you're doing that through your sessions and then you're also teaching and and mentoring and coaching as well so let's talk a little bit more about the path of intuitive development if if one is learning to listen um what are some major, you know, tips or something like that, like first steps that you would share with anyone listening today? So, you know, you were talking earlier about making connections. What are some, some others?
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, one of the key pieces in developing intuition is slowing the breath down. Hmm. And getting into a, a slower, more dreamy theta mind space. Okay? getting the thoughts to be less rapid. Right. So when we're thinking a lot, we're sort of projecting. And when we're listening, then we're, you know, and receiving that's intuition. So key is to start with slower breath and presence. You know, be present with yourself, be present with nature, um, be present in those quiet moments and in those quiet spaces. Uh, I think the second thing is what I call aligning your altar. You know, whatever your spiritual beliefs are, and I really love accepting all of them, you know, finding the beauty in these different uh, myths and cultures and so one of the first a- questions that I'll ask people is, you know, what are your beliefs? What is on, what's sort of on your inner altar? Mm-hmm. And being able to set some kind of a special space, either in your home, or maybe there's a an altar you can build, or there's a special space in nature that you go to, or there's a special space in your own mind that you can create to allow some of those uh, images to form or some of those feelings to be settled and seen. Um, Another one is creativity. You know, I think that creativity is a huge part of developing intuition, you know, um, drumming, singing, dancing, um, you know, being in relationship, painting, writing, being in relationship with your creativity and not, you know, stuffing that. And everybody has something that is creative within them. Um, another is under again understanding that that everything is connected. Sort of mm-hmm. getting out of this idea of separation. You know, when we look at you know through the scientific lens we can see that there is this whole microscopic world going on and our minds are have such an amazing ability to receive frequency, to tune into things and to kind of um, perceive beyond what we think it's capable of. And so you have to believe in that. You have to put aside some of the skepticism and start experimenting and what I call tracking. So a really key piece in developing intuition is tracking your experiences, you know, writing down your dreams, writing down any sort of signs that you get where you feel like you saw an animal or you had a moment that was special. Something was talking to you, speaking to you, write that down. Um, And, you know, if you feel an intuition about, Oh, I feel like I'm seeing ahead Like I'm sensing what's already in motion and write that down and then see what comes of it. If you're practicing tarot or runes or any of the other um, divination tools, record your readings and let your mind be open and creative during that process, but then see how it actually shows up in your reality so that you know you're not just kind of making stuff up. And once you start tracking, you'll develop, I think, your own language with your intuition. You'll develop your own language with your, you know, spiritual nature with the with the universe. And um, so, keeping a record of those experiences can be incredibly helpful and almost like seeing the proof mm-hmm. uh, and seeing that it is it, that intuition is a very natural part of our our human experience our brains our uh, survival mechanisms and uh, it's not it is uh, and I you know it's, it's between natural and supernatural that's a whole nother conversation that we could have but I would say the the next thing is to be cautious and careful I I mean this might be controversial but I'm not a fan of um, the overuse of Plant medicines and hallucinogens mm-hmm. i think that it it uh is sometimes for people an initial opening and a medicine but i've seen a lot of people who want to open their intuition and they kind of go too quickly into that path it, it speeds something up for them but their own real life experiences is not sort of caught up with where their mind is going and it creates like a a disconnection and a, yeah. a sort of you know I've seen people get lost in well, in the in, in, you know in that.
0: I agree with you, and I, I mean you can fragment pieces of your fragment,
1: soul. yeah, yeah, Fra- like, fragment I mean, or dis- disassociate yeah. with reality a little bit. You gotta remember that it's okay to come back and do your dishes, you know, and be in the mundane <laughs> and find a yeah. spiritual experience in doing your dishes, you know. <sighs>
0: so much so yeah thank you so much um i really love those suggestions and there's a question boiling that you know we can have a hard time letting go of control and our need to know i think this goes to the the point about fortune telling and i'm sure that so many people have sat down in front of you over the years and said you know, tell me how to make the money. Tell me where my partner is. <laughs> like, how do I find it already? Damn it! Um, and so there's this really strong need to know in our culture. How do people loosen that? And it might be the same answer that you just gave. You know, cultivating that. But is there is there anything else you would say to that? How do we How do we loosen that? How do we get out of our need to know?
1: Mm. That's a good question. Um, yeah, I mean, one of the things that I probably would have added to the last bit of what I said is having a solid spiritual practice. You Mm. know, for me, it's, I love Qigong. I think it's wonderful for everybody, you know, doing your yoga, doing those physical things that bring you, you know, back into the moment, but also connect with your, help you connect with your spiritual self and your breath. Um, Those are super important because a lot of times the need to know is where we, you know, it's, it's getting caught in a story. Um, and sometimes needing to know is important. You know, sometimes we're ready to know. And sometimes needing to know becomes sort of this obsession or this, you know, once I have that, then I'm going to be happy. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's, uh, There's even a tarot card that expresses that's a seven of cups. You know, it's like, oh, all those things we fantasize about um, can become ways which we're disembodying from what's happening presently. And so there's a careful balance between am I ready to know? Is it time for me to know? Because that male has been trying to reach me for a while. (laughs) you know? And the difference between between like obsessively looking for something that's going to fulfill you, um, that's outside of you. And it's, Oh, that once that fantasy is fulfilled, then I'll finally be happy. And I think it's more like, no, can you cultivate that connection with your present moment, with yourself Mm -hmm. again, with your true path, with your healthy, balanced being? And then when you're ready to know, the information is going to show up. Mm-hmm. And so there are some readings where I absolutely get very clear vision, visions and, and predictions and, you know, uh, potentials of what could happen for somebody. And I relay that information when it comes through strongly. And then I have clients that are asking me the same question over and over again. um is um, it's almost becomes like an addiction, you know, because there's mm. something that still hasn't been learned, um, that still hasn't been developed. Some foundation that need, you need to go back to the beginning and check that foundation again, check that part of yourself again that's um, looking for that external thing to fulfill uh, a wound or to you know rep- um, answer a, a trauma that's still kind of ringing in your energy body
0: right right so yeah beautiful that and the present moment is where we go for all of that yeah amazing so siege i want you to talk to us about what you're up to because not only are you an incredibly skilled intuitive but one of the things that we often talk about on this podcast is entrepreneurship and and people making that leap. Um, And you, I just want to celebrate that you've been doing this gig of being the spirited entrepreneur and tarot reader for a decade or more than, like way more than a decade. And and you've had an established office in Asheville since 2015. I mean, like this has been your your full time thing. So just celebrating the sustainability of your entrepreneurship. And mm-hmm. talk to us about, um, yeah, where you're taking that next. Where you have been taking that. Thank you.
1: It's a great question. Uh, yeah, everybody, you know, has a natural evolutionary arc in their work and i'm definitely at one of those key evolutionary points right now actually um so i'm in the process of contemplating my own deck the weight deck is wonderful which i've been using for a while um and i still teach that level one and two and now i'm moving into develop um courses where people can become a tarot reader. And if, you know, I may highlight some of those readers to, um, on my website. So the tarot is still there, but it's becoming less a part of my readings. It's almost like I've swallowed it in a way (laughs) you've become it (laughs) I've become it and it's in me so you know now I'm I when I work with people it's a lot more I'm just an open channel and I kind of use the cards on the side if needed to check certain things but they Mm -hmm. almost always say what I'm intuiting in, in that open space so um I'm I'm working a lot more now with packages because I I'm seeing that People need follow through when when uh, growth is needed when true change is happening. Um, people need to commit. There needs to be some um, some action, some um, development. And so, I'm doing less of the one off sessions and working more towards uh, combining my work with coaching and giving people follow through an assignment so they can really get to where they want to go. And so that they have uh, someone sort of backing them up, you know, in their evolutionary journey. Mm -hmm. And uh, for me, I've been, I've been studying with a new teacher now for a while and he's just amazing. And so I'm getting to see what it feels like to meet with somebody every week for two hours and how it's impacted my own growth, you know, how it's helped to bring me more uh, confidence and um, help me to heal some things that I was still uh, places where I was still wounded, you know, and um, so getting to experiencing that is really pushing me towards wanting to offer that to people, um, which includes a new program that I'm developing called the inner mystic training program. And so, for example, the whole first you know couple of weeks of that is focused on forgiveness. Mm. It hasn't. It's actually not a tarot class. It's more of an intuitive development class, a, a course that focuses on creativity, uh, singing, drumming, qigong, ceremony, forgiveness work. You know, so that the the evolution can really be held in yeah. a container.
0: Beautiful. Is that one-on-one or is that a group?
1: That's one-on-one. And then the group work I'm doing is going to be focused on retreats. So Mm -hmm. I have this weekend, I actually have a inner mystic retreat. It's like a one day event and I'm very excited about it. And I'm going to be developing that into weekend retreats um, where again, we're working with Water ceremony, singing, drumming, doing artwork, um, you know, a little bit of tarot, some, uh, you know, meditation, some qigong, because I really want to help people develop their own creativity and their own intuition and their own empowerment and find the, the, the completion and the joy that comes along with that. Um, rather than always depending on me for the answers. Right. You know, I loved I love it when we, I have a great session and some answers come through. And I've had people that have said, wow, that one piece of information changed my life. And it always makes me so happy when I mm-hmm. hear that. But, you know, for 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 a lot of us, we, you know, I guess we're all intuitive, we're all creative, we all have that what you would call the the feminine side of us whether we're women or men, we have that feminine side of us that is longing to um, listen, to connect with nature, to go a little deeper. And so I really want to help people heal um, through those group processes um, as well.
0: Beautiful. Beautiful. You're such a natural leader and teacher and wisdom holder. Thank you so much for being here and sharing the story and um, yeah, thank you and deep gratitude personally for, for the work that you do. Well, thank you. And thanks for such uh great
1: questions. I you uh, <laughs> I, I, I hope it's okay to say this, but I remember back to a session we were having and the last thing I'll say is, you know, a lot of it's not me. I'm just the messenger. I'm kind of listening to to what, what you are telling me, your higher self is telling me. And I remember <laughs> saying, I see you doing these like interviews with women and you have your headphones <laughs> on. yeah probably your own little show
0: (laughs) oh that's funny yeah we're coming full circle here I actually feel it in my body there's like a there's an interesting like rebalancing in my body that's sort of like architecturally happening on the right side while we're talking so I'm like okay (laughs) okay great mystery why you know why sage is the last interview of this series right now is like ah okay some sort of completion (laughs) and you know only the mystery has all of the answers (laughs) Uh,
1: you've I'm I'm so impressed with how far you've come on your journey and what everything that you're doing for Mm. you know for people in the world and especially women
0: well thank you so much and yeah I really I love having this conversation with you at this time actually because you can really speak to like (laughs) you don't need to (laughs) but you could um speak to you know who who that woman was who was like just remembering um you know I, I started to wear like crystals under my principal attire and I was taking your class like at night at the tea shop while I was you know a school principal during the day just trying to to find the the footing and give myself permission um so thank you for being a teacher on that path
1: oh thank you for everything as well and yeah, I'm I'm deeply honored to be here.
0: Wonderful. Well, I just wanna open it up. Is there anything else that we didn't cover today that that is just um bubbling that, that must be shared when you give space? Hmm. Sit with
1: that for a second. I I feel like I'm speaking to somebody listening and if you are at a place in your life where something is bubbling up from your gut through your heart and it's coming out, it wants to come out, you know, after listening to this podcast or listening to other intuitives, Stop stuffing it down. Mm-hmm. Let it let it come up. Let it come out. Let yourself cry. Let it release. Let yourself be heard. Let yourself sing. Um, let yourself say yes. Say yes to that thing you really know you want to do. Hey, okay? there is always a way to create a unique path around that creative part of you. And all you have to do is say yes, tell the universe you're ready, and then find some support. You know, it's some kind of support to help you along that journey. And you're not alone. Okay, so maybe you don't need to know how you're going to get there. The first step is just saying yes and admitting that truth to yourself, that you're ready for something different and that you're ready to listen to your creativity and your intuition. So open those, open those, let those places in. you open up anything that's clenched, let it open up. And, um, I guess I wanted to speak just a tiny bit more into your question about the trauma of the feminine and religion. Mm -hmm. We didn't totally cover that completely, but, you know, there are specialists that deal with that. I, I definitely had some past life. I would say trauma, Mm -hmm. or I think I probably had my head chopped off a couple of times. And, you know, I just want to say thank you to all of the, amazing healers that i've worked with along the way Mm -hmm. you know and there are so many healers to help with trauma somatic therapists you know things that sarah does here breath work um integrative manual therapy shamanic healing um you know that it's it's important to to discover and explore those traumas and that if you feel like you've you shut down some part of yourself, either in this life or another life, because of religion, that doesn't mean you need to shut off God, you know, or whatever goddess or whatever name you want to put on it. You know, maybe it's just um, taking time to heal those traumas with support, and you know, ask for help with it. So whoever's you know listening to this and saying wow you're a you're kind of a christian mystic what the heck is that you know how does that how does that work um i'm happy to answer any questions about that so if anybody ever wants to write to me or or reach out to me and try to i think that's a really long conversation um Mm -hmm. so if anyone needs support with that please you know i'm happy to have those conversations outside of a reading
0: Mm -hmm. beautiful yeah it's um really big topic and that spiritual sovereignty is a large part of where my work is going I think it always was but it's really focusing in that area because yeah we've abandoned God um, in our previous notions of, of what God was because of church and and how that has been affiliated with um, oppressive regimes. And we do know that as women, we know that (laughs) ancestrally (sighs) to your point about, well, the mystery, I think, you know, we know that before we know, we know that like it, it lives in us. And so there's a longing. I think there's a longing for the reunion with with the divine with god um and yeah to heal the trauma so that we can be in that like holy reunion absolutely Um, absolutely
1: there there are trickster energies and darker energies in the human experiences and those Mm -hmm. will come through any those will come through religions as well you know so it's removing all of those tricks yeah. And, and like you said, coming, I love what you're saying. That was a beautiful, beautiful thing you just said, Sarah. So
0: yeah, I'm really glad that we came to that. Thank you for sharing that last piece for sure.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know that's a big part of your work. So I just wanted to say, you know, we just kind of skimmed the, the top of that one.
0: <laughs> 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 it's, a, it's a big, big subject. Yeah, it is a big subject. Um All right. Well, to be continued. (laughs) To be continued. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Uh, Thank you. And I hope you have a wonderful evening. Me too. All right.
0: This is Sarah Poet of Embodied Breath. And thank you so much for listening to today's episode I'm curious, what was your biggest takeaway? Remember that you are not alone on the sacred path and women are rising now together. You can visit my website, SaraPoet.com for more tools and inspiration to support your sacred remembering path. Please be sure to check the show notes, subscribe to this podcast, share with a friend and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. I love to hear from you. Stay connected, and here's to your path of sacred remembering.